It is party time, mother. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. I don't, you know, sometimes I even question if I should say party time mom anymore. I don't know if anybody even still gets that. I don't know. I don't know. My mother, she's funny. She's a trip. She still gets on to me, Chris. That's a good thing. Yeah. Stop that cussing. Um, I won't, I'll do my best. I'll do my, I do my, sometimes I get pretty fired up, Chris. And to be fair, my sole job is to see what stories get you more riled up. <laughs> I know. So I do feed into that anger. I know. And I want to apologize to your mom. <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> Believe it on me. It's not on him. Yeah, the puppet master and Chris Cruz driving us into the nether regions of insanity. Absolutely. Every day. Um, yeah, I get pretty fired up. I, I got a kick out of last week. Uh, David Barton's wife, Tim Barton's mother. She's always she always gets on to me. She's like, when Tim comes on your show, make sure he doesn't he behaves. <laughs> well, he's, I think he's all right. You know, we, we're pretty good when Tim comes on. Uh, anyway, uh, I what did I say? I promised everybody Bible study today. Yep. Well, I'm kidding. I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, you know, don't want to, yeah, I still want you to get your, your, your Bible study from Phil Robertson and from Allie Beth Stuckey. They do a fantastic job of that. Our, our show is not about that, but I don't know. I, I started to do it yesterday and then I want to talk about all this fatherlessness stuff. And the more I talked about it, I was like, you know, yeah, let me, let me I want to share some things with you. Okay. I'm not going to preach to you. Um, and listen, even if you aren't a person of Christian faith or believe in the Bible or whatever, I got a feeling that if you'll listen to me today, that you'll still walk away with some life principles that'll make a difference for you. So anytime people see me coming, uh, and I don't know, I, you know, sometimes, you know, do a little, do a little Bible study with the tequila. Uh, I don't know. Jesus didn't turn the water into tequila, but you never know. Mexican Jesus might've done it. Anytime people see me coming with the satchel, my book satchel here, isn't that a pretty pretty bag right there? Anytime people come, they, they know, people who know me, they know what's in this bag. I keep my copy of the Constitution, and I keep my Bible. Um, the, uh, this Bible, I got to show you guys something. This little glimpse into Chad Prather, okay? This, this Bible's been with me for ah, over 30 years, I guess. Uh, I, I have to keep it in this case because it'll fall apart here and uh yeah it's 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 um it's seen some action look we're even going to use this little thing right here um but when you look at this bible so i gotta open this thing very carefully uh this is this is my bible right this sucker this sucker's been uh, it's been someplace it's been all over the world look at the spine on that deal it's it's non-existent so you got to be careful when you open this thing up because pages will go go everywhere on you but, you know, I posted last week about how, you know, these days we post to social media, but we need to go back and read the notes we write in our Bible, you know, remember some of those. And um, so I like to go back through, and I was, I was looking at something the other night. Uh, a friend of mine asked me to come on and uh, share some stuff from my life on her podcast and I was just, that day, I was just kind of perusing some things, thinking about that. And I came across Luke chapter 15. 
Luke chapter 15. I'm going to put my readers on here now. Luke chapter 15 is interesting. You, you, if you know your Bible and you, know, you, you at least know the story, for the most part, of what we call the prodigal son, okay? Now, it's interesting. Luke chapter 15 has what most people think is three parables in it. There's not. It's all one parable. There's a story about a lost sheep. There's a story about a lost coin. And then there's a story of the prodigal son. So you got lost sheep, lost silver, and a lost son. That'll preach. That'll preach. And I know that it's all one parable, and you need to read it as one parable, although we're not necessarily going to do that today. Because it says in verse 1 of chapter 15 of Luke, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners, who are the sinners, drew near to him to hear him. I got a feeling that Jesus doesn't repel sinners. He attracts them. So a lot of people like to come at us and say, oh, well, you look at the people that are around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Might be that sinners are actually drawn to Jesus when he's properly presented. Instead of being offended by Christ, and using that as an excuse, stop being offensive with Christ, okay? So that is a big lesson for those of you out there that want to see people come to know the Lord, all right? You want to get them saved for eternity. You want, you want to see them live an eternal life starting right now. Uh, don't be offensive with Christ, because Christ isn't offensive. Now, now he, he will offend parts of you, and it's true that there's some things in you right now in your life that aren't going to go to heaven. All right, those things aren't going with you. So that's the process of growth and sanctification and becoming more like Christ. Jesus, God's only going to take the Christ-like parts of you to heaven and then make you a new person. All right, but Jesus isn't offensive. It says when the tax collectors and the sinners, well, I feel like Ali Stucky right now. Not really. I don't get. I didn't get my period. But I don't know that she does. But I'm just a man. You know, we were talking about that yesterday, Chris. Mark got his. Anyway, it says the Pharisees and the scribes complained. Look what happens. The sinners are drawn to Jesus, but the religious folk are pissed off. Now, ain't that something? The scribes and the Pharisees, the people who should have been happy about Jesus being there, they were the, they were the angriest. You can always tell who's operating with a religious spirit because they start to get a little bit antsy around truth said, this man receives sinners and even eats with them. One of the most intimate acts of fellowship you can have. He's with these sinners and he actually he eats with them, has a good time with them, pours some wine. They called him a, what was it, a, a glutton and a wine bibber. <laughs> a drunkard is what they called Jesus. It says he spoke a parable. He spoke this parable to them. And he starts talking about, what man of you having a hundred sheep loses one of them doesn't leave the 99 that are safe in the wilderness and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? And then down in verse 11, I'm sorry, in verse uh, 8, he says, Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and scour the house, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? So in the first part of the parable, you had a 1% loss. One sheep out of a hundred. 
In the second part of that parable, you had a 10% loss. You had one piece of silver out of 10 coins. And now it says in verse 11, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give to me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided to them his livelihood, them his livelihood. Not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. So now we got a 50% loss. So this thing is increasing in terms of the value of what God is saying he's lost. All right? And by the way, that son, Chris, you know this. You over there, Chris? All right. That son was basically, in essence, saying to his dad, I don't care if you live or die. I want what's coming to me now. And he legally could do that. The father could give him his portion of the inheritance. But it says he divided to them. So both sons got their portion of inheritance. The one who stayed at home got his as well as the kid who left. It says he gathered everything together and he went to the far country and wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, we hear that, story, we hear that phrase prodigal all the time. What does it mean? What does that mean? It means wasteful. Okay. He began to live in waste. It says he gathered everything together. He went to the far country and he began to waste everything. Waste his father's inheritance. All that he'd been given. Um, where is the far country? Now, my interpretation is that son hit the far country as soon as he took the first step across the father's threshold. As soon as he walked out of the house, he was spiritually in a far country. He had separated himself from his dad, from his father. And he's like, you know what? I don't trust my dad's way of doing things. I'm going to go do this myself. I'm going to do it my own way. But I'm going to do it on dad's dime. So I'm going to use, you know, people do that all the time. They say, well, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to do things God's way. Now, I'm going to use the breath he puts in my lungs. I'm going to use the sight that he puts in my eyes. I'm going to use the, you know, my, the strength that he puts in my muscles. I'm going to use the stuff he gave me, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to go my own path. I'm going to do, do my own thing, create my own direction. As soon as you get that attitude, you're immediately in the far country. You're in a place of forgetfulness of God, okay? And so this is what happened. The boy went off to the far country. He forgot about dad. He didn't have dad looking over his shoulder anymore. He could do anything he wanted to do, and he started to waste everything. He blew it all. And um, verse 14 says, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land. Notice, that land got a famine. Didn't say back at dad's house there was a famine. There was a famine in that land where he was, and he began to be in want because it was all gone. He blew it away. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And here's the bad stuff right here. This is where, this is where when Jesus was talking, he really got a hold of these religious folks. He said he sent him into his fields to feed the pigs, to feed swine. Now, you know, in Jewish culture, that was a no-no. You don't, you don't get near the pigs. You don't touch the pigs. They were, they were unclean. They were dirty, dirty, dirty. You had to go through a ritual cleansing if you got anywhere near swine. He went and fed it, sent him out to feed the pigs. You can hear the religious leaders that are sitting there overhearing Jesus' parable going, ah, ah, how, this would never happen. How dare you even bring this up? This was an insult. I mean, it's like saying he sent him out to clean the porta potties yeah. with his bare hands. And then it gets worse. 
He says he was hungry, said he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And nobody gave him anything. He's ready to eat the pig food. These people are reeling in horror listening to the story and said nobody gave him anything. See, that's the thing about you get out into the far country, you get out into a place of forgetfulness of God, and you're using all of his talents and possessions and gifts that he gave you, but you're doing it your way. You will spend it all, and you will be in want. And let me tell you something. When you hit rock bottom, you're going to find that nobody gives you anything. Nobody, nobody wants to give you anything. Listen, God's going to make it so that nobody can give you anything. And there's a reason, because he doesn't want you dependent on people. Because if people can bail you out, people become your savior. That's a powerful thing. Said, verse 17, but when he came to himself, came to himself, where was he? He was away from himself. So not only had he gotten forgetful of his father and his father's house, he was forgetful of his own self. He was out of his mind. That's what, that's what sin's deception will do, right? It'll make you forget. It'll make you lose your mind. You don't know who you are anymore. You lose your identity. You start doing stuff that you would have never done. That's why the Apostle Paul later on says, hey, you don't go and join the temple of God to a harlot because that's not who you are. You got to start living like who you are. It says when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. He comes up with a little speech. He says, I'm going to rise up and go to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. So far, so good. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That is the only place in Scripture in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that's the only place. Because obviously Jesus is giving a parable. He's talking about this father. He's giving a parable. This is how God reacts when a son comes home. That's the only place in Scripture where it's described as God running. That's it. It was undignified for a man of any age or stature in that day and age to run because it would expose his ankles. It was just an undignified action. But God can get undignified sometimes when he gets excited about you coming home. Now, I got a lot more I want to unpack here. We got to go to a break. We got to sell something, too. Je- Jesus, Jesus don't mind us being capitalists around here. So, hey, uh, seriously, though, what does our current out-of-control inflation look like? It looks like you're paying 47% more fuel for fuel than a year ago. It looks like you're paying 41% more for the same used vehicle. If you buy it this year instead of last, it looks like you're paying almost 10% more to feed your family. It looks like every dollar in your savings is worth less than it was a year ago. Hedge against the U.S. dollar by investing in something with real value, folks. Gold and silver from Birch Gold. Precious metals have historically been a safe haven in times of inflation. Birch Gold is the leader in converting IRAs and 401ks into a tax-sheltered IRA backed by gold and silver. Thousands of satisfied customers with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Birch Gold can help you protect your savings. It's simple. Text C-H-A-D, CHAD, to 989898, and they'll get you a free info kit on gold. There's no obligation to get it. Just text CHAD to 989898. Get your free info kit now. Chad, nine eight nine eight nine eight. Be right back.
When we left our hero, he was in want, anxious to feed himself with the pig's food. But he rose and he went to his father with a prepared speech. When his father saw him coming, he ran to him. Now, the key to that right there is not that God got undignified and ran. That is important. That shows his eagerness to, to get his son back, to get you back into the house. But the beauty of that picture is the father saw him in the distance and the father made up the distance. The son made the move to come home and the father made up the distance. He ran to him. You make a, you make a, you make a move in the direction of God, folks, in your life. God tends to make up the distance. He'll come your way too, all right? And if he doesn't, there's a reason, right? A lot of times people say, well, God ain't coming. You don't know that. But let me show you what happened when he got to him. He ran to his son, verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father did not let him do the rest of the prepared speech. Remember, he's going to say, you know, make me like one of your hired servants. Remember that? Father never let him do that. That was never an option. He was born a son. He's going to die a son. He's always going to be a son. You don't get to change your status in the eyes of the father. And the father says, verse 22, but, I love the buts in the Bible, Chris. Those, as my, as my spiritual grandfather, Herb Hodges, used to say, those disjunctive conjunctions. It shows a change in the thinking, right? <clears throat> it says, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Now, you would think he's covered in pig slop, right? He'd been out feeding, he'd been feeding the swine, and the father's touching this kid? What about the ritualistic cleansing? He didn't take a bath. He didn't say, hey, go wash him up so I can love on him. Father fell on his neck, loved him exactly the way he was right then and there. He didn't have to get cleaned up to come home. The father said, take a robe, the best robe, put it on him. Just cover the filth. Just cover it up. He didn't say, clean him up so he can put the robe on. He said, put the best robe on him. He says, he says, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Now, those represent something right there, and I'll just give you a little side note there. The robe represents righteousness. It covers you, okay? It's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness that the Father provides. He said, bring the best robe, put it on him. The ring on his finger well, that's a transaction ring. That, that's a signet ring that now represents, it's got the family crest on it, the family symbol. So if he needs to go to the bank and do some, some business, in the, he does it in the name of the Father. So it gave, him, it gave him authority. So he's got righteousness now. I mean, he just got home. Yesterday, he was feeding pigs and starving to death. A day later, he's got righteousness. He's got authority and it says put sandals on his feet he's got freedom now he can move about freely he can go anywhere he wants to go put shoes on his feet it says verse 23 and bring the fatted calf here kill it and let us eat and be merry now father's gonna throw a party wants to throw a party for you 
if you'll let him, if you'll come back to him. And he says, for this, verse 24, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. That's my favorite thing to be right there is merry. <laughs> but here comes the sourpuss. Here comes that older brother, the guy who kept all the rules, the guy that never went to the far country, at least so we think. He, he stayed in the father's house. But mentally and spiritually, the older brother had always been in the far country. He didn't have to leave the house to get in the far country. Look at this. Look at his attitude. It says, when the older son was in the field, he said he came and he drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. Now, I don't know about you, but if you can hear the dancing from the field, they're having a party. If you can hear dancing, there's some celebration going on. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Now, notice he didn't call the father and ask him what it meant. He called a servant. And he said to him, your brother has come home because he has received him safe and sound. Your father killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, this older brother, and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Father's still going to make up the distance, dude. Even if you got resistance, you know, you, you got a self-righteousness. You think, I've kept all the rules. I don't, I don't need. The father's still going to come out there to you, too. And plead with you to come into the party. Because sitting outside is not where it's at. He says, verse 29, he answered and said to his father, these many years I've been serving you. He didn't say loving you. He didn't say, you know, living with you. I've been serving you. In other words, dad, you're a hard taskmaster. Dad, you, you be, you, I, I've been having to put up with you, dad. I've been having to put up with your rules, but I did it because I'm loyal. He said, I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. I kept all the rules, Dad. And you never gave me a young goat that I could make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, he doesn't say as soon as my brother. As soon, he's blaming Dad. He's blaming the father. He said, as soon as this son of yours, I don't have anything to do with this guy. He's your problem. He said, as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him. Now, nowhere in this story that I've read, I've read it all to you. There's nowhere in there that says that the younger brother had anything to do with a harlot. Never. It says he fed the swine, said he spent all the money. He was wasteful. But let's say he went and got prostitutes. Doesn't say any of that. If you listen to people and their self-righteousness long enough, they will reveal to you what's going on in their own hearts. This older brother, he's, he's actually admitting, this is what I would have done if I'd have had the money and been in the far country. I would have wasted it on harlots. He assumed to know the status of his brother. Don't we do that? That's exactly what we do, Chris. We jump on there. We immediately start judging everybody, their life. You don't know what they've done or what they've been through. You know, you don't know how many times somebody's been broken. Yeah, I listen, if you've ever been broken, you will have a hard time having friends in life that aren't also broken. Because the unbroken don't understand you. They don't, they don't get where you're coming from. They don't understand your description of rock bottom. They don't understand what you mean when you talk about being down and out. They don't know what, you, what you're even referring to when you talk about being in want like this. 
You, it, you, you, broken people have got to be around broken people. You can't confide in unbroken people because they're going to blame you. They're going to blame you for your brokenness. And so, you, folks, listen, don't take pride in your brokenness. Be humbled by it. But for the love of God, man, don't judge other people. This is, this is the whole point of this. He says, he wasted it on harlots. No, son, you just revealed what you would have done with the money. You just revealed your own heart. It's always fascinating to people when people come at you and they start saying, oh, well, we know, yeah, you, you claim to be this and that, but you don't know. You don't know what's going on in a person's heart, so stop. And the father said to him, he said, son, verse 31, he said, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. You wanted a goat? Why didn't you walk out in the field and get a goat? You wanted a calf? Go out there and kill a calf. We could have thrown a party anytime. You've always been here. But no, you didn't look at this as an opportunity to be my son. You say you served me. And that's, that's the, in essence what the father said to him. You never enjoyed all the blessings I gave you. And you were right here in the house. He said it was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. See, this is the attitude that we got to have, folks, right there. You got to look at this thing as a new life that God's wanting to give you. And that's a new life every day. See, we talk about eternal life like it's some length of time. That's not what eternal life is. Being in the Father's house is about the, the experience. It's a quality of life. It, it starts right now. Eternity is in you. You know, the, the Bible says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. It's already here. But we've, we've built, a, <coughs> we've built a, a wall around it, right? It's like putting a, a cap on a well, and there's fresh water in there, but you can't get to it because you've built this hard cap on top of it. You've got to break that up. And the only thing that can break that up is the Father's love. I'm convinced of that. Now, I, again, I said I wasn't going to preach to you, but it, maybe it sounds a little preachy. I don't know. I'm not telling you to repent. I'm not telling you to change. I'm not telling you to turn or burn. I'm telling you to come home. Simple as that. There's a party waiting for you. There are things that if you'll just stop making your own rules and go in your own way, and whatever that may be, maybe you need to change direction with how you handle a relationship, a friendship, a marriage. Listen, we've all got our screw-ups. We've all done it. You know what those screw-ups are called? They're called sin. You know what sin is? S-I-N, selfish, independent negation of God's will. Selfish, independent negation of God's will. And, and that's, that's, listen, I've heard my pastor, Wade Trimmer, my, my mentor, my spiritual father, my brother, my dear brother, Wade Trimmer, he said it so many times, you know, you know, that if you take the word flesh and turn it around and drop the H, you got self. Your flesh is that selfish part of you that says, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to thumb my nose at God. I'm going to thumb my nose at the Father. And here's the thing. I'm either going to stay in the field like the older brother and pout, feel sorry for myself, or I'm going to go off in the far country, get broken, broken enough that I can come home and learn to appreciate what I had all along available to me. And sometimes you don't appreciate those gifts until you've been broken. So come on home. Come on home. How's that, Chris? Pretty, it's a pretty good Bible study. I dig it. Maybe we'll do it more often. Friends, with the president warning about food shortages, are you prepared? Uh, don't, be like the don't be like the son in the far country. Don't get out there, worst case scenario, and you ain't got nothing to eat. Uh, drop what you're doing. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll find the long-term emergency food storage you may need very soon. Right now, the most important thing you should focus on is food security. MyPatriotSupply.com has you covered. It's America's most trusted name in preparedness and self-reliance. They've served millions of families and have 50,000 four-star and five-star reviews. You can trust MyPatriotSupply.com. They rely, they, I'm sorry, they carry all different sizes of emergency food kits that you can rely on. And each kit provides breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, snacks, 2,000 calories a day for optimal energy during stressful times. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today and get free shipping. Orders are flooding in. Don't delay. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com before things get worse. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, those in our country who have over the past couple of years been given the task of running the ship and who promptly ran it aground predictably would like to continue running the ship. Thank you very much. If you haven't been living under a rock during the entire pandemic experience, and maybe even if you have, you are doubtless aware that the most mostly useless phenomena of masking dug its tentacles into just about every nook and cranny our society had to offer. Seriously sick of the masks. Even today, when COVID has mysteriously just poof disappeared almost completely from the news cycle, mm -hmm, just in time for the midterms, even though most of the places you go now have finally succumbed to the attrition of good old-fashioned American boredom and given up on the sheep shit approach to facial decoration, there are still a few holdouts. And unfortunately, our schools in many places throughout the country are one of those holdouts. Now, the other day... A week-long survey from Politico and Harvard found that the vast majority of parents now feel like masks are either not doing their kids any good at all in school or are even harmful. Now, you know that I like to come on this program and give you the most fair, balanced, and ultimately tactful response to the things that cross my plate as I digest the news throughout the week. So please take my response for the well-thought-out invective against the wastage of brain cells that it actually is. No shit, Sherlock. The majority of parents throughout this country have been against the masking of our kids since basically the beginning of this whole thing because the majority of the parents in the United States still aren't freaking morons. <sighs> you people are coming along and trying to sell us this idea that you're just now discovering what parents think. That's, that's a type of person, and I'm sure we all know one, who can only be convinced to do something if you convince him that it was his idea to do it in the first place. I mean, you know the type I'm talking about. Well, this this is a variant on that. Call it the Omicron asshole, okay? This is the type of person who can only be convinced of a thing if enough people from his tribe agree with it. And as per our usual arrangement with the Democrat Party, the only acceptable writing of the ship toward truth comes at a glacial pace and only when there's someone at the helm who's wearing the correct letter in front of his name. Listen, folks, at a certain point, we got to wake up to the fact that we have done and continue to do a tremendous amount of damage to the children of this country over the past couple of years. From the masks and the vaccines and the woke BS we've allowed to be mainlined into their brains, we've really done a stand-up job of just really sitting the hell down. And it's time to end that. You want to tell me there's a, quote, new study suggesting that a majority of parents across the political spectrum now recognize what most of us already know Fine. Do something about it. Get this crap out of schools. Because, of course, 
they're harmful physically and emotionally. <clears throat> Look, I'm, I'm personally tired of talking about this. It's time that we put this garbage behind us and start working harder toward building the kind of future with our children that we desperately need to be there. And that is one they actually do deserve. <sighs> Please get rid of these masks. You know, I was watching, when we watched, you know, I, and the first thing I noticed, I'm sitting at the restaurant the other night. You know, last week I'm sitting there watching, and the Oscars is on. And the first thing I noticed is nobody in the room's wearing, well, there's a couple of people. If you really looked out in the crowd, no, there might have been two or three people wearing a mask. It's like suddenly nobody cares. Suddenly nobody cares. Oh, well, they're all vaccinated. Well, it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. You still get it. Right? Yeah, but it's a milder form. Well, now me personally, Chris, Mark, I'm not calling y'all out. I, yeah, I yeah, will. Y'all had it, right? Huh? The vid? <coughs> I probably did. I don't really know. Like, it, 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 so obviously it had to be a mild form if I did. I mean, I've had a cold in the last two years. Um, had flu-like symptoms in the last two years. You know what I didn't do, guys? I did not run to, to shove a swab up my butthole. No, I didn't do it. I, didn't, I did not swab my butthole. Uh, I didn't stick anything up my nose. I, I didn't do any of that stuff. Uh, the, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I willingly took a test one time because I was curious just to see how they worked. Um, I didn't do it where they could get my information or anything. One of those old Abbott tests, you just stick it in a little, there it is. I was just curious. Um, I thought I was pregnant. Um, start seeing those lines show up. <clears throat> but what are we doing to these kids? You know, continually masking them. You know, if you put them, you try to fly somewhere. They're going to, that's like torturing a kid. You know, wrap this thing, strap this thing around their face. You know, my kids didn't even want to keep their diapers on, much less a mask. And we're going to send them to school. They're going to breathe in that thing. It's like I've told you over and over again, Johnny's going to come home. He went to school with a Spider-Man mask on. He's going to come home with a Superman mask on because he traded it at lunchtime. Um, this is not, you know, kids pick boogers. They eat dirt. You know, they play with their butt. They, they touch all kinds of things, put their hands in their mouth. They swallow the snot. They eat their, you know, they do all this stuff. They lick everything, these kids. Are you going to mask them up? No, folks, this has been child abuse. It really has been child abuse. I hope, I hope that it's going to fade out. But here's my prediction, guys. Here's my prediction. We're going to see a resurgence of this COVID nonsense come September. <clears throat> they got to get it back to where they can mail in the votes, force you to mail in votes. So somewhere around September is where that's going to happen. It's going to kick in. People are going to, they're going to try to lock people down, kind of try to shut people down, because that's the only way they're going to stop what I believe is going to be a red wave come November for the Senate and the House. Um, and I pray to God it does. I, and I also pray to God there's a committee that is formed to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop. We get to the bottom of this Ukraine nonsense and all of the garbage underpinnings. It's amazing to me. All the stuff that they blamed Donald Trump for is coming to light, and they're the ones who did it. Hillary Clinton did spy. Uh, there was Russian collusions on a part of the Democrats. All of this stuff. The Durham report. We're seeing all of these things. Folks, they, and you know what they did? They abused you in order to hide it. They used a pandemic 
They abuse you. They abuse your children. They shut you down. And they're going to try to do it again, folks. Let's not allow that to happen. Please, can we? May we? So if you're driving alone right now in your car and you're wearing a mask, take the stupid thing off. Okay? But Chad, wouldn't you wear a mask if you were going to have brain surgery? Wouldn't you want the doctor to wear a mask? Well, I'm not doing brain surgery in Walmart. Okay? So take the mask off. And we'll be right back. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org slash chosen. Chris always has his little devotional book here, Jesus Calling. I like the little hand right there reaching out. Just for you, Chris. Just for your heart. April 5th. Let me fill you with my love, joy, and peace. These are glory gifts flowing from my living presence. Though you are an earthen vessel, I designed you to be filled with heavenly contents. Your weakness is not a deterrent to being filled with my spirit. On the contrary, it provides an opportunity for my power to shine forth more brightly. As you go through this day, trust me to provide the strength you need moment by moment. Don't waste energy wondering whether you are adequate for today's journey. My spirit within you is more than sufficient to handle whatever this day may bring. That is the basis for your confidence in quietness, spending time alone with me, and confident trust. Relying on my sufficiency is your strength. Good stuff, Chris. Relevant for today. Ah, another thing. I told you yesterday, I said, we, I talked about this perspective here. Chris sent it to me uh, yesterday morning. Americans overestimate the size of minority groups and underestimate the size of most majority groups. So this comes from Census Bureau, Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, polls by YouGov and other polling firms. Uh, but like you say, how many households have an income over a million dollars? Most people, they thought it was like 20% of Americans. Zero <laughs> percent. It's less than a percent. Uh, how many are transgender? They asked, people said 21% of Americans are transgender. <laughs> 21%. It's 1%. 1%. How many of them uh, are Muslim? People said 27%. <coughs> People really got to be kind of dumb, right? If you think 27% of Americans are Muslims, uh, again, 1%. Native Americans, they said 27%. So that's 60% of America technically right there. 54% of Americans are Muslim or Native Americans. You add those two together, still 1%. Are Jewish, they said 30%. Uh, so that's, that's basically, that's roughly, you know, 84% of Americans <laughs> are Native American, Muslim, Jewish, uh, by people's estimation, but they're not. It's only 2%. Uh, 
Um, gay or lesbian? They said 30%. Only 3%. Are atheists? They said 33%, but only 3%. Are bisexual? They said 29%, only 4%. Um, vegan or vegetarian? They said 30%, and only 5%. Um, they said 29% of Americans are Asian, but only 6%. They said 40% of Americans are, are military veterans. Nope. Only 6%. That's pretty bad. People are, they, they, this is their skewed way of looking at the world. People think that a reality is something that it really is not. Um, they said 39% of Americans are Hispanic. <laughs> no, uh, only, only uh, 17%. Still a lot. Um, they said uh, 54% of Americans own a gun. Only 32% own a gun, right? Uh, so skip on down where it, where it, you know, where it, where it starts to flip, right? So they said, uh, how many are white? They said 65%. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. They said, um, yeah, they said 65%. I got it backwards. Let me do it right. Yeah, I got it backwards. So they said uh, the estimated was 49%. In truth, it's 65%. Got it right. Um, they said, uh, have read a book in the past year. Uh, they thought 50%. But in truth, 77% have read a book in the last year. That's hopeful. Um, have a driver's license. Getting kind of far away from it. Was... Uh, the perception was 68%. Actually, 83% of Americans have a driver's license, which is very telling when you start talking about it's racist to have to show an ID to go vote. 83% of Americans have a driver's license. So why is this a problem? How is that? How is uh, You get my point. I don't want to dig into that. I start to get pretty fired up. Um, and Chad, the one that you skipped over, yeah. Christians. People said... That fifty eight percent were Christians. Yeah, seventy seventy percent proclaimed to be Christian. Christians. Seventy percent. It'd be awesome in America if seventy percent of the people treated each other like Christians. Um. Yeah. So you know, look how many how many people in America the perception of have flown on a plane. The perception was fifty nine percent, and actually eighty eight percent of Americans polled. So we're pretty affluent, too. Yeah. Amazing. We, you know, even minorities. Yeah, we, we're really pretty affluent in this country. 88% of Americans have flown on an airplane. Um, how about this? Um, the perception for how many have at least a high school degree, 65%. But in truth, 89%. Almost 90% of Americans have at least a high school degree. We're not as we're not as dumb and poor as you try to make it out to be, folks. Again, your perceived reality is way off, way off. This is good, Chris. Y'all hang tight. We'll be right back. Hey, go to where podcasts are offered and leave us a 
rating and review. Five stars. That's what we deserve. It's what we want. It's what we need. And uh, tell us what you thought about today's episode, please. If you want maybe more of that, we'll see. Um, we want you to quit saying shit so much. <laughs> Oh, shit. Um, anyway, uh, go to uh, blazetv.com slash chad. Use promo code MORECHAD and uh, subscribe to Blaze so you can get your overtime on Friday. Look at that fresh head right there. Woo, look at that thing. Looks like an egg right there, Chris. Look. Yeah, maybe it's alopecia. I don't know. <laughs> it's a blue ribbon, by the way. A favorite. Well, I found the ribbon, but it was real thin and hard to see. Hi. <laughs> Wow. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. We love y'all. God bless you. Talk to you then. Bye.